Welcome to Rise and Shine, the podcast dedicated to women in home building who are ready to rise professionally and shine personally. I am your host, Abby Cornelius, and I am thrilled to embark on this empowering journey with you. Together, we're going to dive into the world of leadership, sales, mindset, results, and corporate climbing, all tailored to the unique experiences of women in this industry. Whether you're a seasoned pro or you're just starting out, Rise and Shine is here to provide you with actionable insights, inspiring stories, and expert advice to propel you forward in your career and illuminate your personal growth. So if you're ready to break some barriers, conquer challenges, and redefine success on your own terms, you are in the right place. It's time to rise, it's time to shine, and it all starts right here. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rise and Shine. I'm so excited to have a guest. I know I say this every time I have a guest, but guest episodes truly are my favorite because it's not just me talking to me. And today I am so excited to bring to all of you listening, Miss Jacqueline Green. So hello and welcome. Hi, Abby. I'm so honored to be here. Yes, so happy to have you. So Jacqueline and I chatted, oh my gosh, it's probably like a month ago now. Um, for the first time. And she does kind of what I do in the coaching and development space for women in interior design, which is so cool. So very supportive to this industry as a whole. And we just, we just hit it off. We had a great chat, didn't we? Yes, we did. Absolutely. <laughs> about all the things. And um, so I wanted to bring her on here and have her share some of her story, as well as the wonderful work that she's doing today. But really just to talk about the fact that like, women inspired us and we hope to inspire that next generation and kind of what that looks like as women supporting women in this industry and just in life in general, right? <laughs> we should always have each other's back. But Jacqueline, before we get too far into it, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about you, your background, kind of how you got into this crazy, crazy world and what you do today? Sure, absolutely. I spent about 20 years in marketing. So 15 of those were in corporate and then I spent about seven working on my own um, as a marketing consultant. And I decided I was bored. I'm not sure why, but I want to try something new. So I decided to go back to school and become an interior designer. I immediately started working in architecture firms. I did commercial design, um, loved it for a while. Then I started teaching it as well. And that was really exciting. But I really found this need to really help interior designers and architects build businesses, build stronger businesses. In the interior design world, we see a lot of solopreneurs. And I really saw that we we lack something from what we learn in college and then what we do as far as building a business. They don't teach us how to build a business. They don't teach us how to grow a business or you know what that looks like in design school. And being someone that taught in design school, I know I was only limited to so many hours, right? I, would, I only had 30 hours with my commercial interior design students. I don't know anybody who can teach their whole job in 30 hours. Yeah, and that's so, tough. Yeah, and I really saw that there was this opportunity to combine my first career and my second career and really start to help people in how they build bigger, stronger, businesses and careers for that matter. Yeah, that's wonderful. And it's so true, right? I think you could probably do this for just about every career path that there is out there, right? Like I'm going to go to chiropractor school. I would hope mm -hmm. a portion of chiropractic school is how to run a practice. I don't know, but yeah. like, you know, is it? I don't know. Like, are we giving these people the tools that they need to not only just do the work, but 
to grow the business because that's a whole different ball game, right? Marketing's oh, yeah. not everybody's strong suit. I see one of the biggest obstacles of small business owners is they don't want to sell. They don't want to be salesy. It's like, you don't have a business if you can't sell your services. Yeah. So we've got to address that elephant, right? <laughs> you got to figure that out. Um, so I love this concept of taking your expertise and experience in, in both worlds and kind of bringing it together. I'm sure that's a huge asset um, to individuals who are looking to grow those individual interior design businesses versus working for a firm. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I mean, whether you're a dentist, a lawyer, a chiropractor, when you're in a service space, a lot of times we focus on the service aspect and mm -hmm. we don't know how to build marketing. So one of the biggest challenges with some designers, especially solopreneurs, is they'll go out and market. It's not their favorite thing. I hear that a lot. They'll go out and market a bunch. They'll get some clients and then they'll stop marketing and yeah. work on those clients. And then all of a sudden there's nothing in the hopper, nothing left to go back out and, um, you know, more clients behind those clients. And so the key there is absolutely to be consistent in your marketing and build that pipeline. Yeah. And you're right, sales is a hard one for some people. And it's getting over that fear and understanding that you have something to give. Yeah. They're coming to you because you have some talent or some skill that they really need at that point And they don't have that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think like for me, I, when I started early in my career in sales, I was so worried I was going to be like a, a used car salesman. That's always like the fear, right? Like, have I got a deal for you? Or like, you know, like those infomercials late at night, like, and a bonus if you buy now. Like, I didn't want to be that because in my little college Abbey mind, that was sales. But when I got into it, it got so much easier when I thought of it as serving. Yes. Right. Yes. Like somebody's got a problem. I've got a solution. I'm just going to show them how I can help. And then it's on them to figure out if they're ready to accept the help. Right. And I tell my design students and, and my coaching um, designers that you have to be nosy. We're all nosy to some degree, but mm -hmm. if you're just nosy and ask questions, one, people love talking about themselves yeah. and they're going to share that information. So as you ask questions and you identify, oh, I hear they, they're really frustrated with this part of whether it be their residential or their commercial, this is causing a problem. And then you talk to that. That's serving them. It's not just buy, buy, buy. It's how do I have a conversation with somebody and just say and ask those questions to get to what their real need is. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Let's jump on in to the women who inspired you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know that that was a, a big part of our private conversation off of the recording. <laughs> and um, I really loved, you know, what you had shared. So why don't you open up a little bit about that, like who kind of paved the way for you or or showed you this could be done? Yeah, I watched these women in my life and, and being very strong along the way. I had a great grandmother who owned three of the largest dairy farms in Indiana, in Indiana and around Indianapolis. And she built this entire business by herself. And I asked my mom once, uh, not too long ago, I'm like, well, how did that happen? Because it turns out she ran off her husband and <laughs> and told everybody he died. Oh and there was a funeral. And um, he came back years later. He had just been down in Evansville teaching at that college. Oh my this God. woman was a Latin professor at the university in Indianapolis. It's now called University of Indianapolis. But at the time, it was called Indiana Central, I think. Um, she ran these big dairy farms. 
I mean, she raised her four kids. She was amazing. And she left a huge legacy on that side of the family. Yeah. And then I flipped to the other side of the family. My father came from a very poor background, but his mother was a factory worker and she saved. And what she did, she didn't even get a GED till 1970. And she would watch the business news. Now, this is far before the internet. You couldn't really look up, you know, businesses, but she would watch the news and the business news and read the newspaper and find out what companies were doing. And then she would buy their stock. She Ooh, did it all on her own. Yeah. And she ended up dying a millionaire. Wow. I know. And it was amazing. So I look at these and even watching my mother and owning her own business and working for other people and the different struggles she went through. I remember watching her and her, you know, big heels and the suit mm -hmm. and the, the power suit in the 80s. Oh, she probably had shoulder pads, right? Shoulder oh, yeah. pads for days back then, right? <laughs> well, I loved it. I That was like a role model. All I wanted yeah. to do was I wanted to go to a job that I could wear, you know, the yeah. suit, power suit. Yeah. The power suit and the heels. Never mind the fact I'm not a big fan of heels now. Yeah, um, <laughs> how she did it was beyond me. But, it, you know, I watch these women before me and I have this this need to help other as we go. They opened up doors that were really hard yeah. to open. And then they opened for the next generation and the next generation. So for me, that is a big thing for me. I want to help other women because there's so many opportunities today that we can really, you know, take advantage of that weren't there, that weren't there even when yeah. I came out of college. It is such a different environment. And so how do we empower women? And so that is a big initiative for me is, you know, how do I help other ones? And I feel like it's my duty. Like, I feel like if I failed, I would be failing those women that came before me that worked so hard and had to deal with so much, um, you know, challenges within the business world. Yeah. Because back then you, you did not, like my grandmother, my great grandmother on the dairy farm, that was a man's world. Oh, she absolutely. Was, I'm sure. Yeah. But she was a force to be reckoned with. That was for sure. She died a hundred and I think she was a hundred and three. Oh, wow. That's yeah. And there's incredible. a picture of me sitting with her when she was 90. Um, I know. So cute. But I'm like, I owe mm. that to those women. They really worked hard so that I could be successful. Yeah. And I think I was listening to, I was listening to a podcast. I can't even remember which one it was. If I can figure it out, I'll put it in the show notes for you guys. But I was listening to another podcast about, um, just women's progress throughout the different generations and kind of like when we got held back and when we thrived and they said something that I never really thought about before. And they were talking about how women prior to, let's say the fifties, where I think it really became, let's bring women into the house. Cause we need men to go to work. Right. Like, I think that's really, women took a, a backslide at that particular time, um, in terms of career growth and professional, but prior to that, women worked in the businesses with their husbands because if their husbands got called to war, guess who ran the show? Exactly. The women I mean, did. The women did. And absolutely. I'm not an overly religious person, but the person on this call was talking about like biblical references to women stepping in and taking over and running the show and getting it done and running the businesses. And it used to be a teamwork and it used to be this collaboration. And, you know, that wouldn't be uncommon, right? Hey, husband's at war. I'm running the butcher shop, right? You right. see many women running a butcher shop nowadays, right? Because there was this, this, you know, mode of, hey, let's get the guys into more corporate jobs. Let's get the women at home because it solved the childcare problem. Right. 
Because if you're not owning your own business, you can't have the kids along with you at the feet like what used to happen. Right. You know, like my grandparents grew up in farming families. They did all the work. They worked alongside their parents, right? They went to school, maybe, maybe not for very long, but they started working at a very young age and contributing to the family business, whatever that was. And then it became this like shift. So kudos to the ladies who before their time fought for things like running their own business. Um, my grandmother on my mom's side, she went to college and that was very rare, right? To go to college. She went to be a teacher. She taught uh, for several years before she became a mother of her own. And then, you know, she, she went into the household because she had a whole bunch of babies and took mm -hmm. care of all of them, which is great. Um, but it wasn't always so easy. There had to be these little trailblazers along the way. I know when I started my career in real estate, my my mom had carved her own path many years <laughs> prior. Like she's always owned her own business, but she did that route because she didn't like school. She wasn't good at it. She was ultra creative. She was dyslexic. She struggled to fit into like the mold of what you needed to get to college, get the degree and all that. But then she couldn't even get in anywhere. So she said she tried to get into real estate. And my mom's born in the 50s. So this is what, 70s, 60s, 70s. She's trying to get in real estate. She can't. It's a man's world, which is so funny because now I feel like it's a woman's world, which I love. <laughs> I totally, yeah. I'm like, really? Real estate is almost like more ladies in it than, than men. But it's so interesting how these, these, shifts happen, right? These shifts happen, but there's these ladies who find their way and find their path through it. And regardless, and I'm totally with you. I think we need to cheer each other on. We need to help that next lady who can't figure out, I want to do this thing. How do I figure it out? Any hacks we've learned, any tips we've, you know, figured out along the way that get us there. It, it's for the sharing, right? It, it's to the benefit of helping everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. And we have so much pressure on us these days too to take care of everybody else, to take care of, you know, our children, take care of our, our partners or our spouses, to take care of, you know, the business. And there's just so much pressure. It's you really do need somebody to help you in yeah. some regards. It's just even if it's just a good friend, I ended up going uh, networking a lot with other professional women. So what happened was I had these corporate girlfriends from my corporate days. And so when we would get together, they would talk about corporate life. And then I would have these girlfriends that were my stay at home moms in my neighborhood where we drink wine and talk about, Oh, yeah. let me tell you what a crappy mom I was today. <laughs> it's like, Oh yeah, I've done that too. <laughs> You're yeah. fine. Um, and so I needed those entrepreneurial type of women around yeah. me that we're going through the same struggles. So when you're building a business, building a career, I really encourage people to have some sort of mentorship, even if it's not a formal coaching experience, the mentorship and what you get from other women who have walked before you can be amazing. Yeah, and There's a lot of women out there that are willing to share their story and to share, you know, things that happen to them to help you and guide you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, just to clarify, in case people don't know, there's there's a couple different things. There's mentors, there's sponsor, sponsors, and then there's coaches. Right. And coaches and mentors are different. And so I want to like kind of talk about these three different phases and challenge me, poke holes in it if I say something you don't agree. No, absolutely. Because yeah. I, I don't claim to have everything figured out. But for me, I had tons of mentors professionally, which was great. There was tons of anybody I could pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Will you help? And they would hop in. But they were busy doing their day-to-day -day work too. Correct. And so it wasn't somebody that I could maybe go deeper into the conversation with. 
Um, it wasn't somebody, I didn't want to take advantage of their time. So I was really careful about what I brought to them. Um, and sometimes I would often like prepare for them versus bringing my authentic mess, right? Because I was so mindful, they're professional, they're busy. I want to be respectful as you should, right? right. Sponsor is a whole different level because mentors don't have to be in your organization, but a sponsor does. So a sponsor is somebody in your organization that's going to advocate for you, have your back. They're likely a senior level um, where they're going to say your name in rooms that matter. And that's an even more formal relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're up, quote unquote, on big buses, right? Like it's like your boss's boss. So it's like, I'm going to wear the nice outfit. I'm going to wear the heels, even though they're uncomfortable. And I'm going to yes. say all the right things. And I'm going to have my notes ready and very, very formalized. The thing I love is coaching. Because coaching is, I'm here to come alongside you. I'm in the shit with you i'm in yes. the good with you like we're going through this thing together it's me showing up on this call with you in my sweats and my hair in a messy bun because we're just real people and i know what you're going through and i have time and attention to give to you now yeah you pay for coaching because yeah. you're paying for somebody's time and expertise but you're getting their time and expertise and sometimes with mentorship we don't get full time it's limited, right? And sometimes we don't show up as authentically as we need to, to get that full impact that I think coaching can have. So for me, when I invested in a coach the first time, it was like, oh crap, I'm gonna spend this money. Like, is this worth it? I don't know, but I'm gonna tell you to have somebody where I could just say, this is what's happening, kind of have like a sigh of relief, word vomit if I needed to. And then for them to say, we got this been there, done that, got the t-shirt, you're not alone, there's a plan here, let's talk it through, and then hold me accountable to taking action steps. It was so different than a mentor who was just like, do this. <laughs> you know, it's like a whole different vibe, so to speak. So for Completely. me, it's been invaluable. The coaching, um, I, for years, was like, okay, there. I meet these coaches, and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't really see... Like I really didn't see it. And then one day I realized I'm looking around going, hold on here. I'm stalled. I have mm -hmm. not moved forward. And why have I not moved forward? Obviously, because I need guidance. I need something beyond. I mean, I, you know, I built relationships, but I need something further. And so when I really started looking, I started kind of asking around and seeing, I think it's really important that you find a coach that fits your personality. Yes. And when I hired my coach, I remember feeling so overwhelmed and we sat down and she did this two hour session with me to get me started, um, you know, to get to know me, get to know the business and where. And when I walked out of there, I was so much more focused on what projects I needed to work. Because as an entrepreneur, I'm like, oh, we could do this and we could do that. Yeah, and, oh, yeah, yeah. Let's get excited about this one. It's like <laughs> shiny object syndrome, right? I'm like, oh, this is a brilliant idea. Let's go do this when it's maybe not a brilliant idea or it might not be the right time to do it. And so me, when I hired her, I was immediately felt this sense of relief of, okay, she gets me and she's going to help me through all this garbage in my head yeah. not the garbage in a bad way but just all yeah, just this noise there's a lot of noise. noise yeah and that was exactly it and the other thing and you mentioned this was the accountability yeah is having somebody i never realized how much i needed that yeah and if you think about it from an accountability standpoint if you played sports when you were a kid and your coach you never wanted to disappoint your coach right right yeah it's kind of the same concept i played yeah. a lot of sports and 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 i never put it two to two together but i can tell you it is a 
definitely one of the very best decisions I ever made, even though you're right, writing a check for that amount is hard. Yeah. And, but it was a really smart decision because I was able to focus on me, be accountable for the things that she was yeah. telling me. And then at the end of the day, I argue with mine sometimes, um, well, quite a bit. <laughs> and I picked a coach that was really um, sales focused. Yeah. And I know the marketing side, but I really needed somebody to push me into that sales. And so every once in a while, I'll see my coach and she's literally tapping on her face. Oh my gosh. Really, like I'm sending her into like stress mode. I'm like, all right, I need to stop arguing and just do what she told me to do. <laughs> trust the process. That's what we would say. Trust the process. You got to at least try. You got to at but least yeah, try. I think, that, um, I think it's so, it's so funny. So I think we put this pressure sometimes on our bosses to be our coach too. Yes. And not all bosses are great coaches. No. And there's also a problem with that, you know, whole pressure in that relationship mm -hmm. because yes, should your boss be able to onboard you and train you and coach you? Absolutely. But one, not everybody's a good coach Two, You may not like your boss all the time. I'm sorry to say that, but I've had plenty of bosses. I just did not enjoy. And right. they would try to coach me. And I'm like, that sounds amazing for you. I'm never going to do that. Like, that's not how I would handle my team. That's not how I would address this problem. I, you know, it's just not my personality or my style. So then it, it becomes this even bigger gap in your learning because now you feel like you can't go to that person. And so sometimes you do, you got to kind of like put some skin in the game and find a coach and find that person you connect with. And it might take time. I am on my second business coach. I just signed up with a new one um, this month. And the first one, I got tons of value from it. And I, you know, learned a ton because I think you can learn in just about any scenario, but I wasn't feeling as connected with the people. And so I found a crew that I'm like, okay, they can give me the same results, but I feel more connected. And I feel like I can have more honest conversations. And, and, and so you got to try it. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't know something, stop wasting time and energy trying to figure it out on your own. Absolutely. Like, if I could just encourage anybody, anything is be resourceful, find somebody who's been where you want to go and hit your wagon to them and learn, absorb, pay, whatever you need to do to get that knowledge and expertise. If you want to get there faster, I'm not saying you can't hustle your way to success and be, be scrappy and figure it out and be whatever he says. Like I'm self-made. Like you can do that. That's a grind. It's a grind. And that's like, okay, or you could go stand by that wall and pound your head into it a few times <laughs> yeah. over and over and over. Yeah, or we could just ask for some help. And I think asking for help is so hard for some of us. Yeah. I know it is for me. Um, and I think that's why I had that kind of mentality of, oh, I could do this on my own. I just have to work harder. I have to read more. I have to do this. But the thing about it is asking for help, I really wish I would have asked for help sooner. And yeah. it wasn't just asking for help from a business coach who I love and really have gotten so much out of it but it was also just asking for help from the my community of people right yeah. and sharing what i was doing and being excited so it's like that balance between self-promotion and then just sharing what you're doing and how other people can help you and the truth of the matter people want to help you yeah they may not be really your client but they might know somebody who's your client and they might yeah. be able to connect you with somebody who can help you. And so I think it's really important that we not beat our head against the wall and really just dig in and ask for some help and ask for advice and, hey, how did you handle this? And as well as invest in ourselves, whether that means courses, whether it means getting a coach, whether it means, you know, whatever that looks for 
you deserve to be invested in. Absolutely. And you're an investment worth making. Absolutely. I think we will quickly write checks. So I'm going to invest in this company like, like your other grandmother did. Like I'm going to yeah. buy some stock, but it's like, do you feel like you're a good bet? And like, this is the one thing I absolutely like. I love my husband to death, but every time I bring a scary investment up that I want to make in myself and he's like, I never doubt it. Cause I know you're going to do the work. And it's like, if we felt that way about ourselves, <laughs> that, you know, like I need him sometimes to remind me, you're right. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to put in the time. I never don't do the work needed to get there. Um, but if you know that about yourself, if you know you're an action taker, if you know that you're going to take it serious, why not invest in yourself? It's going to pay off in dividends. Yeah. For me, when I was very stuck in my career, not sure where I wanted to go, and I invested in a coach, like I said, felt scary financially, but also felt like, I don't even know if this is going to work. And within three years, I had multiple promotions, job changes, hit all my bonus goals, and I was making like 40% more money. I, I more than made up for whatever I paid in coaching because it allowed me to get there faster. It allowed me to focus on the right things. It got me out of my head and it got me showing up as my authentic self instead of continuing to try to like be like my boss who's who maybe I didn't resonate with. And so that for me is the power of coaching. And that's why I wanted to be a coach because I know if I can help one person who's where I was and get them there quicker, why wouldn't I do that? It's so fun. It's so rewarding. It's so exciting. <laughs> and if I stayed working not as a coach and trying to do it, you know, on the side or something like that, um, I wouldn't be able to help as many people. And so for me, that was kind of the why to go all in on it. So what about you? Kind of what's your why for going all in on this coaching side versus running the business side, which you've done too? Yeah, the for me, it was the teaching aspect of it. Mm -hmm. So when I started teaching, I realized I I did one of those, um, I think it was strength 2.0, figure out what your strengths were when I was kind of struggling on, okay, what's my next career? What am I going to do? And so forth. And one of the things that came out that I really enjoyed from my corporate days was you know, sharing my knowledge with other people, teaching my employees mm -hmm. things that I had already learned and guiding them and watching them flourish and do well. So then when I started teaching at the design school, I really realized that this was really fun. Not only did I, I mean, the students are the best part of it um, by far, but it was fun to see that light bulb turn on. It was fun to yeah. see them grow and expand. And so that's kind of how it evolved too, was I wanted to teach and I wanted to do that on a different level of people that were already out of school that, you know, didn't have the time to go back to school for that kind of stuff. But I wanted to help those out there. And so it became a teaching. What kind of courses can I create for them? What kind of, and then that evolved into coaching. And it just happened. I was talking to another coach who specialized in um, helping people with speaking, the business of speaking. And she was like, you know, asking me all these questions, blah, blah, blah. She goes, you're a coach. I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't have a program. I didn't go to any certification program, blah, blah, blah. She goes, no, you're a coach. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's all I needed. I was like, all right, you're right. I yeah, have a lot to share. Somebody to tell you. I hate the phrase, those who can't do teach. It drives me that. absolutely insane because I kicked ass at selling houses. Yeah. Like, I kicked ass at leading a team. Don't tell me the reason I coach now is because I couldn't do it or I couldn't hang. I, I hung. Like, I could do it. But those who can teach should. Yes. And, and I, 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 I totally know what you mean. Phrase that, right? Like, those who – so few people are actually – excited to teach. So few people are actually good at like 
breaking it down and making it, you know, transformational and performance-based teaching, like, and teaching adults is a whole other ball game, you know, teaching kids, forget it. Like that's a special gift in and of itself. But, but <laughs> right. I, I we need to drop this. Those who can't do teach, it, it's those who can teach should. And if you're a good teacher and you enjoy it and it lights you up, you need to find, find your, your way to do that because somebody needs what you have to offer. It's your gift to give. Exactly. And I feel the same way. And I could not teach uh, young kids. I don't no, have neither. those kind of patients, but I, I like teaching and the design school had a, a good mix of, it was about, I heard it was 60, 40. I always thought it was around 50, 50 of um, women. And I say women because you would have like one man every like five classes. Um, and they would be, you know, half of them would be coming out of college and just starting. And then the other half would be, you know, moms that were, finishing up their their kids were they're becoming empty nesters and they were looking for that next career but it didn't matter if they were young or, or older like me they all had the same insecurities mm -hmm. they all needed to learn and wanted to learn and were passionate about getting the information yeah. and that's what makes it you know really worthwhile is watching them struggle with something and then get that and i was at an event and some guy i'm one of uh somebody i knew had introduced me to this vendor and he's like oh those who can't teach and i almost i wanted to turn around and punch him because i was just yeah. so offended by it and i'm looking at him like no hold on i run a whole entire business yeah I teach. yeah like, do not like that's just rude yeah <laughs> it, it is rude but also i think it comes from like a I'm better because I don't kind of think, like, like, I'd be like, okay, you go public speak, you go stand in front of a room of people and you help guide them through this complicated process. Like that's a whole other ball game. You know, there's many people who are like, Abby, I couldn't do what you do. I couldn't go stand on a stage where I'm like, yeah, let's go. This is exciting. Today's the day. Like I always say training days are my best days. Like I just, it fills me up and I know that's rare. I know that's not normal, but that's the gift I was given and shame on me if I don't share it. Absolutely. And you're absolutely correct. If you have a talent, everyone has some sort of special yeah. talent, some kind of, you know, thoughts or knowledge or of interest, whatever it is that deserves to be shared. Mm -hmm. And I tell my son this all the time and he's a teenager. So he's, you know, somewhat hormonal. Um, <laughs> that's somewhat is a loose word. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, no, you are destined for great things you are put here to do something amazing and i know you can do something amazing and it's the same with the women i work with yeah. you are here to do something amazing yeah absolutely and it might take trial and error oh absolutely everything's trial and error <laughs> yeah and i think sometimes like you know i even say this i don't know what i want to be when i grow up like <laughs> whatever 40 i still don't know what i want to be when i grow up but i know what i want to do now and i know what's fun now and i think we need to kind of let that be okay too i think sometimes we get stuck in this um perfectionist gap of okay i want to start for example like with your folks it's like okay i went to interior design school i absolutely love this this is my gift to the world how do i do this and then you see these other people on social media who are running these successful businesses or you know working for these really cool companies and firms and then you feel so disconnected from where you want to go that then you don't do anything and it's like girl don't even worry about that like what are you going to do today what's fun today what sparks joy today and i always say it's good to have a path and a plan right like it's good to say that's where i want to go someday but here's where i am 
what's my next step? And then leave room for magic. Mm-hmm. Because I think if we get too fixated on where we're going, sometimes we miss these wonderful little opportunities that are popping up all the time, all around us that can really take us on a whole new and exciting path in the gift that we have. Yeah, it's enjoying those moments and knowing that failure is part of your success. And Mm -hmm. I just heard this and I've heard it numerous times, you know, your past failures is not dictating what's happening in the future. Mm -hmm. Grow. And as long as we're in a growth mindset and continuously trying to move forward one step at a time and there, every single woman I know who owns a business, who has a career, who is a mom and doing the best she can, we're all doing the best we can at certain times. I, I call them seasons. So you go up and down in seasons. Seasons are really, really hard for us. And on those hard seasons, all I do is I get up and I think one step at a time. I just take one step, then the next step, and then the next step. And we get through it and thinking that way. And then when we talk about social and comparing ourselves, we are so horrible about that. And somebody has said something, it made so much sense. You're comparing your insides to someone's outsides. Yes. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. So true is that when you look at something on social, like, well, she's where I want to be, or he's doing this or that you're looking at their outside view. You're not looking at their insides. You're comparing your inside thoughts Mm -hmm. with their outside perception. And it's like, no, you can't compare those two. Yeah. Oh, I, so I have a funny story about this. So I was getting my hair done the other day and you know how like you just chatted up with your hairdresser when you're sitting in the chair and I was like, oh my God, I had this beautiful mother moment the other day. My my older daughter was doing my younger daughter's hair. It was Aww. so sweet. They were sitting on the floor and they, you know, she was just fixing her hair. And I snagged a little picture of it just from behind them. So it was just so sweet. And I sent it to my sister-in-law. She's about to have um, a second child. And do you have more than one kid, Jacqueline? I do. So you know yes. how like when you're about to have your second, you kind of have this like, what did I do moment where you're like... <laughs> Oh my God, they're not going to get all the attention and love. And how am I going to love, love, love another kid? And like, so I saw this moment and I'm like, this is the beauty of having two kids, right? So I'm going to share this with her because I'm sure she's freaking out about having another baby. So I sent it to her. I'm like, look, this is, this is the gift that you're giving. You know, your son is a sibling in these sweet moments. No sooner did I send that text. Those two went off on each other. There was hairbrushes flying. They're <laughs> screaming. And I'm like consoling. And I'm like, why are we so mad? That ponytail's not in the right place. And like, it was just like, like all, like all things went amok. Like nobody was happy. And I'm like, well, there went my sweet freaking moment. I was so excited about siblings. And I was like, oh, I will not send her a picture of this. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. I'm Let like, her have, that, have a video of that part. But isn't that what we do on social though? It's only showing that like, look at my daughters. Aren't they precious? And then everybody else sees it. I was like, Oh, Abby, you're such a good mom. You're so lucky. Meanwhile, I'm like, you two separate <laughs> Like <laughs> within five minutes of that adorable, sweet picture, you know? <laughs> and we need to remember that. Like we have to put, we have to put a filter on social and yes, celebrate with people, cheerlead each other. And you should celebrate your own wins. Like I'm not saying don't share on social, but understand you're not seeing the whole story. You get, snap- whole you get a snapshot. You get the before <laughs> or, or the after, but you don't see all of the messy middle that's going on uh, behind the scenes. Yeah, absolutely. And I do appreciate those women that are starting to put like, this is the before and this is the after. So this is what you see, this beautiful picture. And here they are in sweats with their hair going in every direction, yeah. no yeah. makeup. And I'm like, 
thank you for finally being real. Yeah. Because, you know, for those of us that grew up looking at magazines, these beautiful models, yeah. that's not realistic. And if you set yourself up to that and social just kind of took over from where magazines left off, yeah. that's not realistic. Yes, we should celebrate each other. You should definitely share what your stories are, but also keep it like, you know, a little, little things in mind that not everything you see is real. Yeah. Yeah. And don't be, and also don't be afraid to show your mess. Like oh, yeah. we all have messes, right? Yeah. I'm actively sitting with you chatting and I don't know if you can see this. I have a giant stain on my shirt. I'm like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> awesome. Jacqueline, I'm recording a podcast. I have not put makeup on. I have a stain on my sweatshirt, but we're here. We're doing it. We're doing um, it. But yeah, so we need a little authenticity, a little vulnerability and cheerleading each other, but also giving ourselves grace that we don't have to have it all figured out. We but may like, never have it all figured out. Exactly. But what I really liked about your story too, about your girls is enjoying that moment mm -hmm. for whatever that was, three minutes of that beautiful moment. Yeah. You realized and recognized this is really what it's worth. This is yeah. what makes all the hard stuff make it worth it. And you took a moment just to be like, Breathe in and say, okay, I'm this is good. I'm doing a good job. Yeah. Never mind that you know, two minutes later everything is going haywire and there's hairbrushes going everywhere. Yeah. But it's to to recognize those little moments, whether it's being in your car with your kids and sharing a story with you and enjoying that moment, yeah. or they make you laugh, or you know, seeing something good happen or whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good reminder too. We all we do need to slow down and, and savor the moments because when they do happen. It makes everything else okay. It makes the dishes piling up in the sink and the rushing around to activities and the, yeah. oh my gosh, is she ever going to write her B's and D's in the right direction? <laughs> oh my gosh. This is funny too, Jacqueline. going to go on a little side tangent. My daughter's sentences this week were, would you like to ride my bike? <laughs> would you like to ride my bike? Okay. My daughter writes B's as D's. And she does not write bike the right way. <laughs> she wrote bike, B-I-C-K, but her B was a D. So her test sentence was, would you like to ride my beep? <laughs> and like, oh, honey, let's remember our Bs and our Ds. And bike is B-I-C-K, or B-I-K-E, not B-I-C-K. And I said to my husband, I'm like, oh, Lord bless. I hope she writes it right on her spelling test. I do not want her poor teacher seeing what you that. Ride my this is parenting guys. It's, it's an adventure, but this is also running a business, right? It's messy. There are great moments. There are hard times there, are, you know, there's all the things in between. So what are some of the things that you notice as kind of like big obstacles for people to go from, I have this idea or I have the service, I have the skill to making it a business and being profitable. The thing about we forget is that this is a business. So yeah, you're you're developing your own personal brand and you are part of that business, but it is its own entity. And so you sort of have to separate it from you and understand that you need systems in place. You need habits in place. You need to have a mindset of understanding this is an entity on its own, separate from who I am as a person. Mm. Yes, your brand goes into that and should, especially when you're first starting, not because people want to work with other people they like, but you're growing something that is beyond just you. And what does that look like? And the biggest thing that we see is that is those systems. We think, 
oh, I can, nobody can do it as well as I can. So I'm just, I know how to do all this stuff. I'll just go ahead and do it. And how many times have we gone, oh, it's just quicker for me to do this than tell somebody else how to do this. Mm -hmm. And those are some of the things that when we build out true operational systems and allow other people to, you know, help us and whether that through a contract employee, whether it be hiring somebody, whether you have a team of people is allowing those systems are crucial to your functioning business and for it to continue operating when you're on vacation or when you get sick or when you have, when the kids get sick, you want your business to still be able to be make money even when you can't be there every moment of the day. Yeah, that's, you know, you're hitting a hot button for me as a business owner <laughs> who's growing really quick. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm only one person. And if I'm working on my business, I can't work in my business. Exactly. If I'm doing all of these administrative tasks, I'm not coaching, I'm not speaking, right? And I'm missing opportunity because I'm not responding to emails maybe as fast as I could be because I'm doing X, Y, and Z. And so I was like, I'm going to try this virtual assistant thing. My coach has said multiple times, Abby, cost per hour, what's your time worth, get somebody, write out your standard operating procedures. And then I said to my husband yesterday, I did a trial with a VA, it went great. But I said to him, I was like, but is it just faster if I do it myself? And he's like, but you can't keep doing everything yourself. And I'm like, I know, but like, I, I almost feel, it's almost like I feel bad being like, hey, can you do this stuff for me that I could totally do on my own? But like, mm. I, it's not, I don't know if it's an ego thing or what, like maybe I need therapy for this, but like, I do have this like, but she did a great job. It's not a control thing. Like I totally trust that she can do it, but it's just like, is it silly? Like, should I not be having them do it? Like, should I just invest the couple hours a week and continue to do it on my own? But at the end of the day, when I look back and I see everything she did for like four hours that I didn't have to do now, I was like, whew, that feels good. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I'd like to do that again. And like, maybe I have to do some tweaks, but I can communicate that. I'm good at leading people. Like we're good. But like getting out of that thing where it's like, my business only works if I'm in it, I think is really hard. It's really it hard. It will limit your growth. It will limit your growth. And yes, it, it's so funny. I hear people say, well, it's just business. It's not personal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you spend as many hours as I do yeah. you, in this, it is somewhat personal. But as a business owner, I have to set that aside sometimes and go, what can I do to make this thing grow beyond me. And for me, I want to create that legacy. I want to create something for my family, you know, down the road. Yeah. And so it's really important that we think in the bigger, our mindset and how we think about that. I, I ran across a lot of designers that went out on their own so they could control their designs, that they could pick the projects they wanted to. Well, in doing that, they didn't realize that you spend 60% of your time marketing your business, not designing. Yeah. And that's a really hard thing. And so when I hear designers going, well, but I just want to pick whatever projects I have. That's great. You have a hobby. And that's okay to have a hobby. That's yeah. fine. But you don't really have a business. And right. so really understanding the difference in what you want it to look like. You may be perfectly fine. It, it may be a solopreneur. But I had this woman who hired me to do some work for her. She was a designer. And, and I... Um, at the time was doing drafting services for a lot of designers because I knew the software and teach the software. And she had been in this business 35 years. She had taken over from, she started working for a gentleman who had this design business and it was, I don't know, 10 people or so. And she took over after he retired and had this and been in this business for 35 years, but she never built systems. 
Yeah. If she never, when, let's see, I think it was the 08 crash came that she ended up, you have to let people go. She never rehired. And so when she went to go sell the business, because we were starting to work together and she's like, are you interested in buying this? I had these clients, you know, I've done all this work, blah, blah, blah. When you looked at it, she thought that was going to be a retirement. Her business wasn't worth anything. 35 years, it wasn't worth anything because she had never developed those systems. She had never built it beyond herself. She was just going to this project or that project. She was making good money for her, but it wasn't a sustainable business for anyone else to take over because the only value was just her relationship with those clients and those clients could go anywhere. She mm -hmm. had developed that brand and, and really built up a brand beyond just her. And, and she was great. She was a great designer, but unfortunately she couldn't sell it. Yeah. Worth anything. And so we well, and you also get stuck in that. I'm always working trap. Like my mom's always been an entrepreneur, always owned her own business. She worked all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the time. And it wasn't until she got like a team of people where it was like, oh, hey, mom, cool. So good to see you. <laughs> nice, yeah, right? I feel like I haven't seen you in a couple of years. Because she, she could step away, right? Because you got the right people in places that it doesn't rely on you being present to fully operate all the time, which is a lot of the reason why people want to go into entrepreneurship and running their own business anyways. They want more time, freedom, and flexibility, but then they find out they're probably working more and longer in all of this because they don't have good systems or because they are trying to control every piece of the puzzle because they don't want to spend more money. But at the end of the day, there are people that you can pay that, yes, you have to pay them, but they're going to free you up to get more business, to get that next client, to do a better project, to to more than make up for whatever the expense is of having an employee. And you're absolutely right. And the other way of looking at this too, and I realize this myself, is that we tend to do what's comfortable. So if there's parts of our business, and I'll give you a prime example, I hate bookkeeping. It drives me crazy to have to enter everything. And I just, I hate bookkeeping. But I will spend my time doing the things I like mm -hmm. and not the things I don't like. You know, and so what we do is we get in that comfort zone and we never be, we never break out of that comfort because we continue to pull it in. But what if we have someone like we, I now have a full-time employee that works for me and I had to pull out a lot of what I did so that she could do it. It opened me up to do new things, but those new things were scary. Yeah. And we have to, to reach in or lean in into those scary things because we can do something really great. Hiring a bookkeeper is an easy thing to do that I can take off my plate that I don't have to get the stomach cramps and all the other things that yeah, I feel yeah. when I'm actually looking at numbers. Yeah. And just tell me what numbers I need to look at. No, yeah. that's, I can pull a report that's under, that makes a lot more sense. I can take off some of those administrative, like you said, VA stuff with my employee and have her, you know, doing the administrative stuff. And that frees me up to do more of the creative business, developing more courses, yeah. developing, you know, more resources, helping more people. Yeah. Yeah. And then we you know, I've got a lot of people that listen here that aren't entrepreneurs, they're corporate employees, right? But they still hold on to stuff. Oh, and you do so, it all the time. Yeah. So you still hold on to stuff. So this is not a new Abby trend of controlling and not passing, passing things off, but you need to say, okay, even if you work for an organization, am I leveraging my time well? Mm -hmm. Like do the math. I love doing this exercise. Do the math on your dollar per hour and then assess your week of the things that you've done. What matched your dollar per hour output? 
And if it didn't, is there somebody that you can reassign, delegate, or automate? We can automate so much now. Thank you, technology, in this amazing world that we live in, um, to help shift some of those things. So, like, when I hired the VA, the first thing I did is, like, what activities aren't meeting my dollar per hour? And that's what I made my standard operating procedures on. Same thing if you have an assistant, right? Or if you have, maybe you have a, you know, for me in my world, maybe I have a really strong sales representative and I'm the sales leader and they want to become a manager. Maybe there's stuff that's above their responsibilities now, but could free me up a little bit. So now they're getting trained up. I'm getting relief. Right. And th there's these happy mediums that I think sometimes you just don't take the time to slow down and comfortably pass the baton to somebody else because we feel like our worth might be tied to that task too, which is a conversation for another day. It's not, <laughs> you can pass it on. And it's a, you know, that's leadership is understanding that too. And I had a, one of my very first mentors on, on my first jobs out of college told me that she, she was just so good at sharing and leading our team and teaching everybody their roles and helping them. And she's like, yeah, I want you to get better. I want you to take over my job because I'm working to take over my boss's job. Yeah, That's what leadership is, is that you're constantly building up the people around you. They make you look better. Yeah. So you give that leadership and really give those skills and help everybody, you know, move forward. You move forward as a group and you really can do some great things. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, I even used to say to employees, I'm like, I hope you're my boss someday. Like, yeah. I'm totally cool with that. Like, let's all like kick ass together. Yeah, well, absolutely. Jacqueline, I want to thank you. I know we're coming up on our time here. Like, thank you so much for, for coming on and, you know, sharing the stories of your amazing grandmothers and your mother. And I can almost like imagine what your mom looked like in this power suit yes. uh, with big old shoulder pads and heels. Um, and thank you just for the work that you're doing and supporting other women on their journey. Uh, it's such, you know, needed and necessary work. If anybody wants to reach out to you or they want to learn more about how they can grow a profitable business, like what are these systems? How can they reach out to you? Sure. We, um, our website is behindthedesignco.com. And on there, you'll find a hobby to profitability quiz. And that will, when you go through that, I think there's six questions and kind of help you walk through that. And then there's a little mini course on the back end of that um, that is completely free. And so that's um, hobby to profitability. So behindthedesignco.com. And I will put all of that in the show notes so you guys can just click below and hop on over to there. Anything you want to leave the ladies with? Any words of inspiration before we sign off? Wow, that was a hard one. Now, I want to say thank you very much. This has been very good to talk through and to have this great conversation. And the one thing I would say is you believe in yourself. You can do this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, belief is step one, right? It is totally step one. <laughs> step one. Well, thank you so much. Thank you everybody for tuning in. It's a bye for now. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Rise and Shine. We hope you're leaving today's conversation feeling inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to make a meaningful impact in your career and life. Remember, your journey is unique and every step you take brings you closer to your goals. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a moment of empowerment and share with a friend, somebody who you think may benefit from this episode too. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts, insights, and even topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes 
episodes by connecting with us on social media or leaving a review. Your feedback helps us tailor Rise and Shine to meet your unique needs. Until next time, keep rising, keep shining, and keep making your mark in the world of home building.